folks uh, finally um, a good news for pakistanis they beat india convincingly after losing 12 times in the world cup and uh, everybody celebrated very well and uh, the mullahs as usual or the islamists as usual called it the uh, victory for islam I mean, everything they put this Islam shit just so they can come in news and uh, the educated people can uh, cuss them because they hate them that there is no need to bring religion even in game but they are used to uh, thinking the game is a war while they think the war is a game and that's why they lose every time they fight war with india their asses get kicked hard but as uh, the customary and the losers never accept the loss or the defeat and they say oh up ke mar uh, anyway <clears throat> what i had said been in the past that uh, the religion has been inducted in so many things almost 99.9% incidents or events we have on our life in our life they have religion inside it they have allah and mullah inside it they have kalma and surah inside it you name it they find something uh, uh, very stupid in quran but they still put it in in their daily life uh, one thing which you uh, is very common is uh, aitul kursi Now there have been so many stories created over the 1500 years about this Aitul Kursi and the power of Aitul Kursi and then when you say Aitul Kursi nobody can come and harm you and all that bullshit the fact is millions times muslims particularly pakistanis they read out Aitul Kursi there is they recite Aitul Aitul Kursi but they still face the terrible events every damn thing happens to pakistanis accidents burning uh, killing beheading terrorism you name it so first if you read atar kursi in the whole uh, ayah or surah there is not even a single word of safety only just in the last sentence it says the supposedly god that we we can protect what we created now there is no common sense in it that this one last sentence and deciding 20 sentences before that which are nothing but fake praise to allah uh, has no influence on the modern day event or any event i mean nowhere in the society the accidents the mishaps the tragedies have been stopped uh, reciting any uh, religious book any religious religious mantra but anything which works for a mullah to make money he will do it he will make taweez he will make ganda he will tell people oh, recite this surah for 100 times recite this surah for 10 times and you will get the reward of going to hajj 10 times 
and do this and then you will have cure for the worst disease in the world and what not. I mean these people have made Quran a good business tool. But my pity is to the people who think that Quran has any value. They are told from their childhood that Quran is perfect. It has no mistakes and this is the book of Allah sent by him. But if we look in the history, we will see that there is no Allah in the three holy books. He never sent anything from the sky. From the time of Abraham who created uh, uh, the one God religion which uh, Islam claims to be coming from <coughs> and Muhammad claiming that he is from the family of Abraham or the offspring of his son Ismail which is also totally made up because the Jews don't accept it, their uh, history their uh, writings and the facts which they present do not actually accept this uh, claim of Muhammad that he was the son of Ismail. Uh, this aside, we know that <clears throat> the holy book, the first holy book, Torah, uh, was written thousand years after Abraham. Uh, it was never in a book form and uh, some issue came something about thousand years after uh, Moses which the king of Persia uh, demanded that if the Jews want to uh, mention Torah they need to bring it in the form of a book and present to him then this book was written and uh, in that book uh, you see the travels which uh, Abraham did, the work which he did, and the claim that uh, my family is the chosen one and then the prophets can only come in my family. Then came uh, Jesus and Bible was written, was never written until after 200 years when the Christian priests and the clergies they started writing it and they completed it in 200 years and then after 500 years of uh, Bible then I'm um, 300 years of Bible then uh, the Muhammad's uh, came and he started making some statements and claiming that this is from Allah and then that was later named as Quran which was also not in a book, book form it was some hodgepodge statements uttered by Muhammad and uh, then later it took uh, third caliph of 40 years to uh, bring Quran in one book form and as I said, uh, the Torah, we see a lot of confusion and claims uh, of it being not the word of God, 
same is the Bible and same is the same is the uh, Quran there are very docu- many documented statements from different associates of Muhammad uh, telling people that this ayah is not from Quran this ayah is not from Quran and that ayah is not added and all that some very serious allegations which can be found in the uh, history books and uh, the narrations of the uh, associates of Muhammad. Now, the, the, the main reason for uh, why Quran became so important because for the first 15 years of Muhammad's preaching, that was generally uh, very peaceful because as I said in the past, Muhammad was, was under the control of his wife Khatija and she will not allow his associates to misuse him. After when she died, uh, his associates moved him to uh, Medina where they had some followers and some power and then thereby they became uh, a fighting force and then started attacking people. As I said in the past, all hell, all hell broke loose once Muhammad arrived in Medina. In the beginning, they tried to loot uh, Quraysh caravans, mainly headed by Abu Sufyan, Abu Sufyan and others who used to go to uh, Damascus from that Medina route. So after four or five such attacks on the caravans, the Quraysh decided to get rid of Muhammad and wage a war. That's when the first war of Badr happened. And then another war happened. Ahad, where Muhammad's forces uh, were at loss. And then the Ahad happens, which is the war of the trench. And that was that war ended in a stalemate. Then Muhammad made a contract with uh, uh, Abu Sufyan people, the Quraysh of Mecca, that, and that contract was for 10 years that they will not attack each other and Muhammad will not come to attack Mecca and will go back this year and come back next year for Hajj. Uh, many uh, Muhammad associates uh, consider this as a defeat and this contract as a surrender. But in the next, by the next year, they started attacking the uh, other tribes, uh, routing them, taking their uh, material, their cattle, their houses, their women and they sold those women uh, to I think I believe in Basra and then got some armament from that money and all that barbarism. And then they came to Mecca with about 10,000 people with them. claiming to do Hajj, but instead of Hajj, they took over Mecca 
and then they start killing people and uh, forgiving the one who surrender they force abu safyan to accept islam and that story is also very interesting because initially when they were talking to abu safyan he he was told he said i don't accept muhammad as a prophet and he i don't take islam as a true religion while they were talking they saw umar coming with a sword in his hand and the people who were negotiating with abu safyan said you know umar once he hear somebody he don't want to accept islam he behaves him right away so you better think about it then when umar came he accepted islam because he don't want to get killed anyway uh, that uh, helped muslims to uh, to become um, a a powerful uh, fighting force and then they kept on uh, attacking other tribes in the next 10 years we saw over 93 attacks to innocent neighbors who had done nothing against islam who had not said a word to muhammad but that was a time i called the most barbaric and inhuman time in my view that was the second part of islam 1.0 then is an islam 2.0 came when the caliphs took over and they started learning to live with non muslims they did not force them to convert but they only invested in their money and their women and their men and hundreds and thousands of slaves uh, were brought to medina by these fighters and then later when they realized that they cannot feed them because there is nothing to do there was nothing there was no agriculture there was not enough work for them so then the caliph decided that the conversion should not be forced in such a way and the slaves should not be taken in so so many numbers which we cannot feed then we saw the version uh, 3 which was the version of umayyad when umayyad took over and then they defeated ali convincingly in politics in war and in uh, administration they changed the islam to an extent that it remained racist and absolute totalitarian but they stopped converting because by converting they cannot collect taxes from the converted people so they told no more conversion just take taxes and ultimately all this time 40 uh, 10 years of war with muhammad 40 years of wars with four caliphs and then 70 years of war under umayyad we see done in the name of allah the war for allah we see the results were that nothing was done for the people and the arabs became the rulers and with absolute power and authority and made harams and 
had slaves in hundreds of numbers. They even used to have slaves, their uh, um, lilies cut off to, for the protection of their harems. So they will not be able to have sex with their uh, collected uh, woman treasure. They were not actually married, they were women who were forced to accept uh, the, the Arabs as a husband and they were raped every day. There is no way that a woman will accept you as a uh, husband when you kill her brother, you kill her father and you uh, take her from her home. But they did what they wanted to do and interestingly in those days there was no uh, such thing as nikah, as shadi, as walima and all that bullshit which we see today. This was created after 300 years by Sufi gang or the people who wrote the Sharia laws. Before that, the marriage was easy, a so-called marriage, because I don't call this Arab's marriage of the early Arab's marriage as the marriage, because it could not be called the marriage. This was forced marriage. And this was same as raping a woman, a criminal act. But later when we saw that uh, Muslim families spread and they had a community, then this marriage drama started so that uh, the celebration can be made, mullahs can make money and the men are installed as head of the house. Before Islam, as I have said many times, the women were very powerful. They married at their terms. They used to harass men, scold them. They used to curse them because those men were so lazy. But when they started the war and became absolute killing machines, and the women were not allowed anything outside the home. That's where the Arab society got in the worst shape. And that disease, which creates arrogance, which creates illiteracy, which creates inhumanity, is still very common in Arab culture. If you see what Saudis, how Saudis handle their women, it's really a crime against humanity. There is not one, there are hundreds of videos where they are beating their wife for no reason. I mean, maybe sometime a small joke, sometime a small word, but these people are so much full of anger and hate against women, they don't allow them to do anything. They always want them to say yes and do what they want them to do. That is why the Arab culture never improved. That is why 
their economy never improved. That is why their IQ never improved. Because when you hate women, your brain stops growing. The imagination in the brain only works when you spread love, when you spread care, when you take care of people, when you take care of your family, your neighbors. Then you think the world in a broader way and then you can do some wonders. We saw some improvement in Arab culture and Arab system when the Iranians took over the administration of Baghdad. When the Abbasid Caliph Mahmoud and Harun ex exhibited some liberal mentality and allowed some art and culture and some freedom to women. Then we see some very nice and famous scientists and philosophers propping up in that part of the world. They were mainly Central Asians, not Arabs, but they put a lot of constructive work in the society which helped enlighten the minds of the young generation. It happened for almost two to three hundred years until the Mongols came and coming to Mongol is kind of blessing in disguise for non-Arabs because Mongols clearly annihilated the Arab power and they never recovered from it. Even before Mongols, we see the Arab power diminishing and we see the Turkish and Iranian and some Central Asian forces taking control. And their area and societies prospered faster. We see more progress in Iran after Mongols and even before Mongols, their culture, their education level, and their IQ was excellent. And great philosophers and mathematicians and scientists emerged from that part of the world. So when we see how the Muslim psyche was supposed to change after Mongol attack, there was excellent chance to give the secularism and science a best possible option and the leading role. But unfortunately, it did not happen. The secular people, the scientists and the philosophers were uh, ran after, people harassed them and the mullah gang they call them Zandik, Kafir, and whatnot. People like uh, Jilani, people like uh, Ghazali, they went around the powerful and caliphs and they say, Oh, you know, we can help you establish your empire and your family dynasty and the kings or whoever 
was controlled after them in Persia or in uh, Arab area or in Central Asia. We see these mullahs taking lead and telling the uh, king and caliphs and the killers that you are the chosen one and this the God and Allah has given you this power. So we work with you, we support you in return of some favors which were easy to make. The philosophers and the secular people of that time, they were powerless. They were only harassed and they were running for their life because there was not even a single ruler who accepted secularism as a way of life. If even one of them had accepted secular ideas and the fact that the people should be cared by the government, not Allah, and that everybody should have some role in the national affairs, then the Muslim world will be progressing much faster than Europe. In Europe, we saw the magic when Magna Carta was approved and issued by a king, a British king, and that paved the way for national governments. The national governments, they created wonders in this world. They made every person very satisfied and be an active part of the nation instead of depending on Allah to bring some reward to him and then working for the king and the corrupts as we did in Muslim world. Whether it was Persian Empire, whether it was Central Asian Empire, whether it was Mughal Empire, everywhere the Muslim rulers were nothing but corrupt. They didn't do anything for the people. While in the same time, we saw Europe excelling. We saw Spain taking lead role. And we saw the science and philosophy exploding in Europe. And that paved the way for a great society, a democratic society, an honest society, and a fair society. There was there is no way you have a Muslim empire or Muslim kingdom or Muslim ruler or Muslim journal who conquers his country again and again to have a humane society. Humanity and Islam, they always remain miles apart. Even the educated people, they were forced to work for this shit we call Islam. Hundreds and thousands of books written on Sharia and Quran when there was no need for even a single page to be written on Quran, on Hadith or Sunnah because they are all disease. They are all a curse on society and they are all full of lies. There is not even a single fact in Quran which will science will accept but the Islamists and Mullahs will keep harping 
the same mantra oh quran is the glorious quran and makkah madina is so good and all that bullshit more later god bless